This is episode five of the Brick and Data podcast, a podcast dedicated to retail news, analytics, and tech. Coming up, crowdsourced grocery shopping. Shop to look with Google. Tommy Hilfiger moved towards fast fashion. And more in this episode of Brick and Data. Hello, everyone. Today is Friday, September 9th, and welcome to another episode of the Brick and Data podcast. This is Todd Harris, and I'm joined by Jose Chan, as always. Got a few topics today, Jose. So a couple, a few interesting things, actually. The first one we're going to we're going to start with was from uh, an article over on CNN about crowdsourced grocery shopping. Um, This new app for iOS and Android called Basket. Uh, It's got an interesting history, the way that they created this thing. But First of all, we'll you know explain exactly what what the thing does. Uh, essentially, it's like it's crowdsourced grocery shopping. What this this company has done in the past is has created this other app. I can't remember what it's called, but it was another app that essentially encouraged and essentially paid people to go and take pictures across grocery store aisles for products to be able to create this database they have. And the purpose of this whole database was to check for the lowest price. Um, for grocery shopping because they're the the article um, I believe that I that I saw this in was talking about how uh, grocery shopping this grocery shopping app is for the 99% meaning that current food and grocery delivery services and even just grocery shopping in general caters to that top 1% that you know uh, don't worry about the cost the cost related to finding the cheapest something or other at a certain store so this is kind of cool because it'll actually show you where you need to go within a certain range, kind of like a, you know, any type of maps app, like a Waze or something. And if you need to get a, you know, about 30 different things in your grocery list, it'll map out where you should go to get these things. And it'll tell you where the savings are, at what grocery store and compared to another one. So it sounds interesting, but it also sounds like a lot of, a lot of work. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. I mean, yeah. If you think about it, it, it makes sense, right? Because uh, after all, it, it gives us a couple of uh, data points. One is that indeed, uh, brick and mortar is still important, especially for the grocery business, right? Where you're going to buy your fresh vegetables. I, I don't think you necessarily have them delivered. I'm not sure if you would ever order broccoli through Amazon and get it through a drone. I think it's one of those things. With that. Right. It wouldn't make it taste any better, that's for sure. So. <laughs> Definitely not. So I think um, still the majority of people will certainly buy fresh yeah. produce for sure in stores and it makes it easier. Uh, otherwise, I'm not sure if you remember, but that, I remember going from um, two, two competing um, supermarkets to see who had the best deals and such. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but, you know, when you go to... Um, I think it's just weird because when you, as long as it's, I don't know if it's mapping um, similar stores, I guess, because if you go to a Whole Foods, you know, you're going to be paying extra, right? I mean, you can pretty much, sure. unless there's some kind of sale, I mean, you can pretty much cross that one off the list. Um, you know, if you know there's a Trader Joe's nearby, you may, that may almost be a guarantee you're going to pay a little bit less than normal. But then you've got like, you know, you stop and shops and different things like that, that are kind of in the middle so it'd be interesting to see how this how this works and also how the uh, how it kind of qual- quality controls things to make sure um, they're really comparing apples to apples. You know, I mean, literally, no pun intended. No, absolutely. Yeah. But literally, if you take that literally, 
Um, right. Even if an apple is cheaper in one place versus another per pound, right, mm -hmm. for a Granny Smith, uh, then you have to, would this take into consideration things like freshness? Right. right. To, to your that's point. very true. And, but it's, it's interesting. The, I think the concept of it is just really interesting. And that app I mentioned before, by the way, the original one that they created, that the, um, this app developer created, was called StockUp. And that was that was what that was essentially empowering people to go around and paying people to go around and take pictures of store shelves. So they would get. I mean, it, I was looking at some uh, how they would pay. It was, let's see. So they drop into local stores, take pictures of products in exchange for earning points and cash. So for every one thousand points she earned, this is the person that they're they're talking about as the example. Um, she'd pocket a dollar. So you know. I don't know how fast it takes to get a thousand points, but it's an interesting model of building the database in this case of stores and SKUs. However, I'm wondering, you know, SKUs change, things change. So if these are, you know, if these SKUs have been compiled over a period of a year or two, well, something must be different now, right? So how accurate is this stuff? And really, um, what would you use this for? It seems more, it seems for more things like cereal, maybe commodity type foods, right? Exactly, but but then would it work? Season then that that's the question. Then if it's more for commodity foods, uh, yeah. wouldn't it just be easier to order it online uh, from possibly? That's what I would think. I mean, it seems like a lot of effort, and maybe it could be a lot of fun if you like going on a wild goose chase for your cheapest food um, to save a couple bucks. But True. it look it looks interesting. I think it's you know the concept of taking a ways type concept, putting it towards grocery shopping is interesting. But you know what? Going to one store is enough for me. To be honest, but <laughs> exactly, uh, <laughs> I don't think I need to be hopping stores, right? No, no, agreed. <laughs> no, no, it, it, you're absolutely right, Todd. It, it, it's, it's, uh, it is interesting, and then we'll see how how it works out uh, over time. Because then I'm also thinking, how how would this work in less populated areas where we have less less data points, right? right? And less. I was thinking the same thing. Like if you're not in a city type, if you're not near a city. Or if you really only have, and you live in a small town in New York State, and you've got one, you know, one place to shop, it's not for those for those areas. I'm guessing. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so Google. Uh, next topic is Google. Uh, Google, of course, is is taking part in this recent Fashion Week, which is taking place this week, um, and they've they've come to Fashion Week with an interesting. Uh, it's it's not really a tangible thing, but it's it's in the form of of intelligent shopping ads in a way. So in essence, it's it's letting you as a as a web browser and kind of uh, fashionista go around and look at your favorite fashion blogger, see what they're see what they're talking about, see what they're promoting on their blog and be able to actually search for that in Google and have it actually come up in the search results, which are sponsored by retailers. So you can you know, they call it shop the look. So they let anyone be able to find any of those any of their favorite, you know, um, any of their favorite fashion bloggers outfits and be able to actually buy it. So that's that's kind of neat. It's a great thing for retailers, I'm guessing. Right. In terms of being able to reach out and give them exactly what, you know, give the shoppers exactly what they were looking for uh, with a little little money out of the, the retailers pockets for this, obviously. Absolutely. And it, it seems like very innocuous. Right. But it's actually quite uh, from, let's say, a scientific perspective, quite a breakthrough, right? It's it in the sense that it's um, pretty much contextual imagery, right? So yeah, by right. 
taking the the image, right? So to your point, um, let's say the blonde salad puts up her favorite cocktail dress, then uh, you'll look up cocktail dress, and then you'll get a whole um, range of possibilities that are, to your point, that are sponsored. And that that's right. that wasn't possible before, as at least the way it makes it seem um, in this article, that you're shopping much more easily than you could before, which is pushing towards that consumer experience, right? Because yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Google is 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 doing like you said, they're they're creating their own um, uh, their, their own index, right? Based on these these top keywords or these top uh, search terms or just search terms in general, aligning these words with imagery. Um, and that yeah, like you said, that's something that hasn't really been done too much lately. And making things in terms of personalization, right? In terms of um, giving people what they're really looking for, based on maybe the, the the search they're they're providing or just the behavior they've they've shown, and being able to match that to actual imagery, it's kind of neat. Yeah, no, no, and it's also if you think about it, right? Think think of the omni-channel mentality that we've adopted nowadays. So now you can actually um, start tying it together more readily uh, because it used to be that you would take any data, but that data usually never included images, right? To, to put yep. to, together the, the personalization component. But with this new, um, let's say, f- nifty feature, uh, which obviously I'm, I'm downplaying the importance of the science overall, um, mm-hmm. you're able to do so much more, right? Just, yeah. just visually. Because I, I think people are are different, right? Some are just visual, some go by price, and there are many ways to filter. But this is this is a great way, especially for fashion, um, let's say consumers, to, to, to shop visually. Right. It, it is nice. It is nice. I mean, other than just simply, if you're lucky enough to be, you know, on a, on a blog at a time when they do talk about it and provide actual links to a place to buy it. Um, this replaces that and essentially connects those dots when you're not able to be as literal and direct as that. And, uh, which I don't think you'd find very often. Right. I don't, I don't frequent too many of those sites, but I'm guessing they don't sit there and, you know, explain exactly where to get each of the pieces. Usually not. Usually it's the blogger, um, putting up pictures of herself, himself, other people, uh, mm-hmm. on the street just to make uh, let's say a, a point from a fashion standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes you just don't have access to that information. If it's yours, sure, but nobody really goes to the effort of, oh, this uh, cocktail dress I'm wearing is from so-and-so. Not necessarily, although you know th- that's been monetized. Fashion bloggers are being used uh, quite a bit by um, retailers in their social media campaigns and integrated into them, but not usually, and especially if yeah. you have a, a random person, right? Like... Uh, on the street. What about the reverse? Uh, you this is int- when you said that 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 kind of sparked a question. Maybe this already exists. I'm not sure, but um, and it's kind of creepy actually taking a picture of some random per- random person on the street and essentially trying to do um, a contextual search based on that to see what they're wearing. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> it's really creepy, but I mean, you know, it kind of it toes the line of that of that personal invasion. But still, it is they're wearing a brand most likely and being able to just figure out through imagery what they're wearing um, seems kind of interesting too for those random encounters where someone's not just, you know, doing a search on Google, but they're like, oh, look at that person on the train. I really love that. 
that jacket they're wearing, you know, click. I'm creeping on you. Now I'm going to go find out where you got it, right? <laughs> that, that is a little creepy, right? Because then you get yeah. into privacy issues. Maybe at the consumer level, you could deal with it if more easily if you right. just say oh, it's for personal use or ask someone's permission. Maybe right. not. But it, it's not that different, at least commercially, from what Bill Cunningham used to do. I'm not sure if you remember Bill Cunningham, who was that famous photographer for the New York Times, and Sunday's Fashion of the Times, he used to have every week um, a section that showed the current trends. And so what he would do is he would stand literally on 57th Street and 5th Avenue on the southeast corner, mm -hmm. right by Tiffany. And you'd see him there and he would just take pictures of people all day and <laughs> that area. And he, it's interesting because if you look online, uh, Google Bill Cunningham, yeah. Um, you'll see every week in the Sunday Times, whether it was digital or, or offline, it doesn't really matter what type of paper you purchased. You would see that just by standing there, he was doing ethnographic research and he had all the looks, right? Uh, uh -huh. So for, uh, to give you a more concrete example for uh, those, those of us that may not know of Bill Cunningham's work that well, um, he, he could potentially stand there for, I don't know, five days because it came out on sunday right so maybe five six days mm -hmm. prior to printing and he'd come up with a trend <laughs> and he was pretty pretty spot on just by standing it could be red it could be that he noticed a trend of people wearing leopard print uh it could be a trend of people wearing a certain type of hat certain type of shoe fascinating it's fascinating yeah i guess that's one way to really see trends right and and Unless you're unless you're just getting a, a small cross section, it seems like if you're in the streets of New York City or something, you're not getting a you're you're getting a very large cross section in that case. So, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Tommy Hilfiger talking about um, Fashion Week. Still, this is a very it's a very fashion a fashionista episode, Jose. We're talking <laughs> lots of fashion this episode here. Um, so Tommy Hilfiger, why don't you tell us what's going on with them? It seems like they're they're changing models a little bit in there. Kind of decreasing some time it takes for, um, you know, for buyers, for buyers as in us, you and I or anyone um, to purchase what they're showing on the runway. So what's what's up with that? What, what do you what's the driver behind this? Yeah, no, no, re re really um, interesting. Right. So Fashion Week runs from at least New York Fashion Week. Right. So yeah. uh, yes, yesterday, the 8th through the 16th. So it's a week. And so what they're doing is they're moving to what is called um, unofficially the consumer model, right? So it's this Zara model. You buy now, wear now. And as we know, Zara, the Zara model, so let's start there before we get into Tommy. Um, mm -hmm. Their big, let's say, contribution to the overall apparel uh, retail industry was that they're able to get uh, a look from the runway, right? Which is, let's say, in parentheses, uh, borrowed uh, from the runway. In ten days, so that's what they were able to do. And Zara, didn't we just hear about Zara? I think I heard something about Zara. Yes, the um, the founder or the, uh, da, 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 the the CEO or whatever you want to. I think it was the CEO or the founder um, is now the richest man in the world over Bill Gates. Wow, yeah, I'm not that, mistaken. That that the founder's name is uh, Amancio Amancio Ortega. Exactly. Right? Yes. So that's 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 kind of cool, man. Who would have thought? <laughs> exactly. Well, it's in, <laughs> interest, interestingly enough, I mean, there, there are a lot of uh, people in the industry 
uh, yeah. that are on that list. But but that's a digression point. But let's uh, yeah. Anyway, back, yeah. <laughs> but back back to the model. So Zara is able to do do this in ten days, right? In as little as ten days, it might have gotten mm. quicker. Uh, but they could from the time that someone something appears or a design is uh, let's say conceptualized, wherever the idea may come from, it could be in the store near you in ten days. That's incredible. That is kind of cool. In contrast to the, the months from before, right? Yes, yes. So they, they've turned uh, for many years now, right, the, the fashion uh, retail industry on its head because that, to your point, Todd, that six-month uh, lead time is cut down to 10 days. And so with consumers uh, going towards this uh, buy now, wear now mentality, um, this whole concept of season doesn't make sense, which brings us to this point of Tommy Hilfiger, right? So with that context, um, they're now pretty much trying to do the same thing. So it's the latest brand in, let's say, uh, a slew of other brands that, that are speeding up the time it takes uh, for the latest uh, styles that it produces yeah. to be available for purchase. So it, it, it uh, looks like, I mean, it looks like fashion is following technology in this case, because if, if you look at, you know, recent years of, of technology announcements, whether it's um, uh, a new phone, a new watch, a new console, a game console, if it's a new TV or something, they're rapidly decreasing the time it takes to you get, for you to get your hands on that. You know, it used to be like, okay, we're going to announce it, uh, a technology at, you know, the Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas, and you're not going to get your hands on it for another six to nine months. And that's that's really dropped. And even in the case of Apple and some and Samsung, when it comes to phones, not to change topics completely, but I think there's a correlation between they're seeing the value of we're going to announce something in the case their their runway, the runway for them is their big announcement, right? So for Apple was the other day, their big announcement, um, the iPhone 7 and the, and the Series 2, <clears throat> excuse me, Apple Watch. And they made it essentially so pre-orders start today, September 9th. So they're they're decreasing that time, and it seems like the you know the, on the from a fashion perspective, their runway to having it on your on your back is decreased also. So they're seeing the value in that, you know. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so to, to bring it back to Tommy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's joining brands like Burberry, Tom Ford, Michael Kors, Rebecca Minkoff that mm-hmm. have essentially reduce the time it takes to bring designs to the market after the fashion shows, right? Yeah. And so here's a quote uh, from Tommy Hilfiger himself um, in the business of fashion. And here's the quote. This is a time when the consumer is really demanding what he or she wants. And when they want it, they want instant gratification. And they don't want to wait six months. So that that just shows that to your point – that really, yes, fashion is following tech. Uh, the other interesting thing is that as, as this is occurring, I mean, that there are other factors to consider, right? Um, with things being done this quickly, uh, also thinking about technology, how do you logistically, because we don't often think about this in fashion uh, apparel as, as consumers, uh, not that we're necessarily the, the target consumer because we're in the industry, but the logistics it takes to get a garment from place A to retailer Z is quite a bit, and it's a feat right. to do it quickly, 
right and yeah, well it, it so it changes a lot of the operational and logistical guts with this stuff too so it's bigger than it's like you're saying it's bigger than what we're seeing here right? it's not just them literally you know hopping on the runway showing something say okay it's in stores all set it, the, the amount of upending of existing processes and and logistics for these retailers is it's got to be pretty impactful initially you know as far as the, the cost for them and the change of of how they do business in general exactly um, on, on the operational side exactly which is the supply chain issue yeah. Uh, and the, though, if you think about it, wh- why are they doing this on the runway? Well, traditionally, as we know, the runway is the smallest component of a seasonal collection. So because it is the smallest component of the se- seasonal collection, and it is, let's say, perhaps just the the highlight, if you will, the halo to try to sell the rest of the, the dream of a given designer or brand, um, Logistically, it becomes somewhat easier. So it's a nice way to test your supply chain before you're able to roll this out uh, across all of your seasonal deliveries, if you will, which would be even tougher. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's interesting. And I hope, you know, I will have to um, make sure we get some folks that are uh, participating in, in Fashion Week, maybe get some folks to listen to this and see what they think. Um about some of this and uh you know it'll it'll be interesting to see how that how that progresses with tommy and to see if other retailers change how they you know change their supply chain change the speed at which they get new uh new trends and styles up into into a purchasable state you know in their stores so we'll have to see how that goes for sure well that looks like i think that looks like an episode you know we covered a few things today we covered the grocery shopping crowdsourcing uh, which, thinking back, I don't think I'm a fan of. <laughs> um, Same here. We, we covered uh, yeah, shopping a new look with Google with some some imagery and some uh, contextual imagery, which is which is some super cutting edge stuff. And and Tommy moving fast, moving fast fashion even faster it seems. So uh, good stuff this week, just in time for for Fashion Week. And we hope uh, we hope everyone enjoyed this episode. And thank you for listening. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback. Always email us at brickdatacast at gmail.com. And you can find us up on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play Music, of course, along with uh, most other most other popular means of, of getting your favorite your favorite podcast. And of course you can visit us at brickdatacast at excuse me, brickdatacast.com. And I think that'll do it here. And Jose, have a have a great rest of your day. You as well, Todd. Thank you. Chat with everybody next time, which will be next week. <laughs>